Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. During his ministry, Witness Lee emphasized the experience of Christ as life and the practical oneness of the believers. He was unbending in his conviction that God's goal is the body of Christ. Through his messages, he stressed the importance for us to grow in life and to function as Christians so that the body can build itself up. We're happy to bring you recorded portions from his ministry today, along with some of our own thoughts. And we welcome your comments and questions. You can reach us toll-free at 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Now let's join today's program. Many people love the book of Proverbs because the truth conveyed in these short easy-to-understand poetic utterances matches their ethical approach to the Bible and the Christian life itself. Fearing God is a good example. There are numerous passages in Proverbs that extol the benefits of fearing God. The question is not then, should we fear God? Of course, we should, and even we must. But we fear God not simply out of duty or instruction but because our reverence to him issues in a deeper and more genuine experience and love for him. The difference may seem subtle, but in actuality, the difference is profound and life-changing. John Pester with us for our second program in the Life Study of Proverbs. And John, I don't want to be misunderstood at all because, of course, this book is a treasure store of nuggets, and that even is Witness Lee's language referring to the things contained in Proverbs, and we'll touch it. But we want to be brought forth, don't we, in our understanding and our, our study of this book into the way Paul approaches these things in the New Testament. I think it's very instructive what you said at the very beginning of this show, which is we can receive Proverbs as if they're kind of God-given instructions that we have to follow out of our own human strength. Or we can enter into the deeper significance of these Proverbs that enable us to be a person that seeks after and finds God. Proverbs shows not just how we should act in our human life, but it shows if our human life is properly oriented towards seeking God, these are the kind of character traits that will be exhibited in our being. And if we pay attention to these points, whether we're lacking or whether we have them, we can become more focused in our seeking and our experience of God. Proverb is marvelously positioned in the books of the poetry which are books about seeking after God. In the first book of poetry, you have Job, which is a seeker after God, but he's seeking according to his own understanding and in his own character. Uh, And God has to come in and show him that he has to seek after God himself, not his own righteousness in his own eyes. Then in Psalms, you have a picture of the proper seeking after God, which is a person that prays, that psalms, that sings, and that contacts God to the uttermost. And then if you become a person that's contacting God and seeking after God, you gain wisdom. And this wisdom is manifested in all of the points in Proverbs. And then if you have wisdom, according to Ecclesiastes, you realize that everything is vanity of vanities, and you become a person like the seeker in Song of Songs, the final book of the poetry, who is just panting after the Lord himself, who just runs after the Lord and desires 
to have the kisses of his mouth in a deep and experiential way. So Proverbs is right there in the middle, and it shows a person, the proper human life of a person who's seeking after God and as a consequence has a proper character that's built up and developed that allows God to be fully expressed through him. Let's pick up something you were talking about here, John. We're going to see, I think, four principles today that are unveiled in Proverbs, four nuggets, as we'll hear Witness Lee say. And these four are all valuable in helping us to have a kind of a proper human life. But even that phrase can be understood in many different ways, can't it? But in our understanding, what are we really meaning by a proper human life? Well, I think the proper human life is the human life that God desires to see in his created vessels, and that is a life that longs after him, that seeks him, that puts him in the first place in all things, and allows God to be expressed and manifested through that person. And so a proper human life is a life of seeking and finding God. Okay, let's join the program today, and this life study talks about these four principles. I think most of these will be familiar to our listeners. These are We're going to touch passages in Proverbs that are quite well-known, quite common, but the principles are what we're really after today. And the first one is this matter of revering God, which includes a number of things. It includes our proper fear of him, our honoring him, our faith and trust in him. This phrase, you know, the fear of Jehovah, is the beginning of wisdom. I think we all know this passage. That comes from chapter 9. But there are other phrases very similar in other chapters in Proverbs. In chapter 1, verse 7, it says, The fear of Jehovah is the beginning of knowledge. Then in chapter 9, verse 10, it says, The fear of Jehovah is the beginning of wisdom. Then in chapter 15, it says, The fear of Jehovah is the instruction of wisdom. So on the one hand, fearing God ushers us into wisdom, and then wisdom itself teaches us further to fear God. Uh, It's an interesting sequence, isn't it, on this matter of wisdom and fearing God? It's interesting, and I think it's very important that this is the very first principle. The very first principle of a proper human life of seeking after God is to revere God, to fear God, to trust Him, to honor Him. All right, let's join Witness Lee with our first portion. Message two is on the principles for man to live a proper human life. The principles, every principle is a nugget, not just a little gem. According to my study of Proverbs, I could only find four nuggets as principles of all the Proverbs. This is from chapters 1 to 9, plus the last chapter is 31. Altogether, 10 chapters on these four principles for big nugget. Firstly, revering God. Not just fear Him, not just worship Him, but revering Him. In everything, you consider Him. You regard Him. You would never forget that there is such a wonderful God who has created you. When you are going to be so mean to your wife, you revere God. See? When you are going to lose your temper to your husband, you revere God. Just revering God stops you from doing evils. Here is a poor man, crippled, 
you look at him by revering God, your heart will be touched. God, you have been so merciful to me from my youth up to now. I'm so rich by your mercy, but this one so poor. Right away, you would open your heart and open your pocket. Revering God, think about it. Fearing God, trusting in God, and honor God. This is to revere God. John, I like this a lot because we don't just have this matter of uh, revering God as sort of a box to check on how we're doing today, uh, on the how we're doing today list. Did I revere God today? We really are brought into a very experiential issue, result, fruit out of a proper reverence to God here, aren't we? This matter of revering indicates, and especially as Witness Lee enlightens us on this point, that to revere God means to consider God and regard him in everything, really enlightens this point that revering and fearing God is more than just a one-time thing. It's not just that we believe in God and we acknowledge that God exists and we give homage to God and that kind of a once-and-for-all thing, but it's a kind of a daily inward attitude toward our living God. We regard him in everything. In the New Testament, it speaks of giving Christ the first place in all things. This is to revere God. This is to know God and to respond to him in a living way in all of our circumstances and all of our situations. We know that God exists. And as I was going over these points, I was really touched by that progression that Paul speaks of in Romans 1, where he speaks of people who knew God but did not regard God, did not glorify him, did not thank him, and as a result, God gave them up to passions. They refused to hold God in their thoughts and in their understanding, and therefore God gave them up to a corrupt mind. This shows that to revere God is a daily kind of practice that we need to give Christ In an exercise way, the first place, we need to consider God. We need to regard God. This will keep us from many, many evil things. And I also appreciated the point that Witness Lee didn't get to say in the message, but it's in the printed point. It says that revering God keeps us from evil, but he also says that revering God causes us to be touched by the sufferings of others and to show mercy and compassion to them. To revere God puts us into the mind of God himself, and we shun the evil things, and we seek that which is good for the building up of the body. Mm. Wisdom begins here, but also our pursuing God, which we've already talked about earlier, um, is really advanced here, isn't it? When we have a proper reverence, a proper fear, proper honoring and acknowledging of him, that's got to be an aid to our pursuing of him. To fear God causes us to look to him. Uh, To trust God enables us to respond properly to him in any circumstance, whether we regard it as something that's uh, detrimental to our being or not detrimental. We can respond to God because we trust him. And then whatever outcome that comes out of that, we can still honor God and we can look to God and we can thank him for all that he's given to us, whether it matches our expectations or it doesn't. And that keeps us in a line of pursuing after the Lord. It really is the beginning of wisdom and understanding. The fear of Jehovah, as we discussed earlier and read in those verses, is linked to this matter of wisdom in the book of Proverbs. 
and also, I believe, in our experience. The need of wisdom is the second great principle, the second nugget that we're going to come to today. In addition to those verses that I read in chapter 1, in chapter 3, it's got an interesting way in which wisdom is presented. I've just selected a couple of verses here, 13 and 14. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains wisdom for her profit is better than the profit of silver and her income is better than gold. It's a female pronoun there, but the point is is that wisdom in this passage and in others in the book of Proverbs is personified. And that's really how Paul presents wisdom in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30. But of him you are in Christ Jesus who became wisdom to us from God. Wisdom not a thing there is it John? It's a person. Wisdom is a person, so to pursue after and to seek after wisdom is really to seek after Christ himself. All right, here's Witness Lee with uh, the next two principles, the matter of wisdom and also that of honoring our parents. Second nugget is needing wisdom. Always you are in want, in need of something. That is wisdom. You don't need dollars that much. You need wisdom. If you have wisdom of God, you will live long. You will have longevity. You will have prosperity. And you will also have life. Not just longevity, but life. The church of life. Cry today is our wisdom as righteousness, Sanctification and redemption. Righteousness, Christ to us, is for our past. Sanctification is Christ for us at the present time. And redemption is Christ for us in the future to redeem our body. Okay, now we come to the third nugget. Honoring one's parents. Don't forget this. After God, you should respect your parents. Always regard them, honor them, and obey them. Do you like to live long, to prolong your days? Honor your parents. In the Ten Commandments, the first four are concerning God. The fifth one is honor your parents. And according to two pieces of the tablets of the law, on each tablet there are five commandments. The first five commandments are four commandments concerning God, one commandment concerning honor the parents. So, in God's eyes, God look at the parents. Why? Because you honor your parents, you remember your source. From where you came, you came from your parents. From where they came, if you twist back, then you reach God. So to honor the parents nearly equals revering God. John, this is one that uh, probably every young person who has sat through a Sunday school lesson on honoring your parents wrestles with this. Why is it uh, such an important thing? Why is honoring your parents such a, quote, big deal? 
Uh, it's obviously a, a theme that appears in Proverbs, but it's right there in the Ten Commandments. As he said, it's even on the first of the two tablets of the Ten Commandments, uh, putting it up there on the category of those things, how we are to uh, revere and, and hold God. As I was listening to Witness Lee, I realized I am both a parent <laughs> and a child. Right. I have parents, and I'm the parent of children. And I appreciated this point that Witness Lee made, that honoring your parents is to remember your source. We all have a source. We're not independent. We're not individualistic. We have a source. I came from a set of parents, and I have produced a set of progeny. And there is a source. And if we honor that source and ultimately trace the source back, we find God himself, just like in the genealogy of Luke. The ultimate source is God. And if we realize that we have a source and that we're not independent and isolated and acting on our own, we will honor God, we will fear God. And so to honor our parents is in that same principle, to realize what our source is, to acknowledge our source, to acknowledge our need of a source mm. is a very critical point. Mm. There is no one in our human life that will be more loving, more accepting, more appreciative of who we are than our parents. So to dishonor your parents is to dishonor the very source that produced you. It's to dishonor and to separate yourself from the very source of sustenance and supply and affirmation that God is willing to and desirous of imparting into our being. The more we depend on God, the more we acknowledge our source and depend on God, the stronger our seeking will be. And the more a child honors his parent, the less trouble he will have in his life. I just appreciate it. This is the first commandment with a promise. The first commandment with a promise that the life would be extended in the land. And of course, we know that the land is really a type of Christ. Right. And so to be a seeker and to have your days extended so that you can experience and enjoy Christ to a far higher degree through the honoring of your parents is a very, very critical thing. We need to honor our parents, our physical parents, and his heavenly Father. No, I was thinking of uh, even the Lord Jesus uh, in his human life uh, on the earth. This principle was always present. On the one hand, he's one of the eternal three in the Godhead, but he never lived as if he had no source. He always lived out from the Father, taking the words of the Father. Yet he was God embodied in the flesh. He possessed the divine life. He would have been capable of living uh, a perfect human life just, you know, from that point of view. But he always rejected that and linked himself back to his eternal source. So the pattern is uh, really lived out before us in the Gospels, isn't it? During his human life, he fully honored his human parents and his heavenly father. And for 30 years, which are largely hidden from our view, surely he was honoring his human parents and his heavenly father. And then when he began his public ministry, it became clear to all that every action that he took was with his view to his heavenly father. And so he honored his human parents and he honored God the father. Okay, John, we've got uh, one more principle that we want to touch, one of these four great nuggets that Witness Lee referred to in the opening today. And this one is major, and it has to do with the matter of honoring marriage. And in the society and culture that we live in today, probably of all these four, none is under a greater onslaught than this one. Here's Witness Lee. Now, the last nugget 
to hold the marriage in honor. God first, parents second, and marriage third. Plus the needing of wisdom. God created man. Man became multiplied by marriage. And marriage not only produces children, but also parents. So, to continue God's economy for man to exist on this earth, two things are necessary. Honor the parents and hold the marriage in honor. I do hope all the saints will bear a strong testimony. We honor our parents. And we hold our marriage in honor. To be a worker working for God, we contact people. Especially in today's society. Be careful. How many big preachers, famous preachers, got spoiled by this matter? Top speakers, top servants of the Lord eventually because they contact the females too much without separation. People going to visit me, a brother, I always come, come in brother, come into my study, where's my office. When a sister comes, I go out of the office to meet her. Sit down, please. I call sister to come. She said, I'd like to talk to you, brother. Even I said, even so, I like Sister to be here. What a protection. Revering God, honor the parents, and hold marriage in honor. Well, John, he rightly spoke this matter of the whole marriage question and contact with the opposite sex has been the uh, the undoing of many honorable servants of the Lord over the years to say nothing of what it has done to our society and even humanity today. This is crucial, isn't it? It's a very serious matter to hold marriage in honor. When Paul likens Christ and the church to a couple and he speaks of Christ and the church in this way, it's an indication that marriage is very important, and marriage has an impact on our seeking after and our continued pursuit of the Lord. And I was appreciative of the example that he gave in which he did not have careless and loose contact with sisters. And I realized even to put yourself in a position of having careless and loose contact with a sister with no fleshly intentions whatsoever, but just to put yourself in a position where you would have careless contact with the sister is to not honor marriage. To honor marriage means that in all aspects of your daily life, you have the view that you have been joined to a particular person and that you have a fidelity to that person, and you have to honor and respect that relationship. And in the same way, we have been joined to the Lord, and we have to honor our fidelity and our relationship to the Lord by giving our heart fully to the Lord in all the details of our living and not turning aside and having careless and loose contact with anything of this age, but particularly not to have contact with anything in the realm of fleshly conduct and contact. 
There's a wonderful passage in Proverbs chapter 5 that touches both the positive and the negative aspect of this. I don't have time to read the whole passage, but I would recommend it to our readers. Uh, the first half of this passage in chapter 5 up to verse 19 talks about the dangers of becoming entangled with someone outside of your marriage relationship. But the last few verses in this passage, maybe we will read, it says, Drink waters out of your own cistern and running water out of your own well, should your springs be shed forth like streams of water in the streets. Let them be yours alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely hind and a graceful doe. Let her breasts satisfy you at all times. May you be ravished with her love always. That just shows that our one wife is the sufficient source of satisfaction for our human life, just as our one Lord is our sufficient source of satisfaction. We don't need to go to any other well other than our wife and the Lord himself. Thanks for making that connection, because that's how I had hoped to end the program. John, good to have you. I hope you can join us for further of these programs in Proverbs. Thanks, Chris. We also would hope you'd contact us so that you can get the printed volumes or find out about other ways that you can enjoy this ministry online and uh, elsewhere. You can call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Or our website is lsm.org. There's a print link there, there's a radio link there, and all the resources are there for you to view and sample. And we hope you'll, again, visit our website, lsm.org. Please join us for our next program. That's all we have time for today. For John Pester and Chris Wilde, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening today. What is the church? The church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all in all. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23. The body of Christ is not an organization, but an organism constituted of all the regenerated believers for the expression and activities of the head. The body of Christ is the issue of the incarnated, crucified, resurrected, and ascended Christ who has come into the church. By means of the ascended Christ's heavenly transmission, we are made one with Him, and thus His body is produced. Scripture, Ephesians 1.23 
and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.